Welcome to Kibi on Liberty. Senator, good to see you again. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was uh, struck by something you tweeted out yesterday. Dr. Fauci today in the New York Times, something clearly went wrong, and I don't know exactly what it was. (laughs) Who wants to tell him? That's right. Well, you know, it's a good sign when you begin to at least admit that you are fallible and that maybe you made mistakes. Uh, You remember the interview from a couple of months ago when they asked him, can you think of anything you might have done wrong or anything you regret? And he says, uh... No. No. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think virtually everything he did from the very beginning, he uh, flip-flopped on. So he'd say one thing and then he'd say another thing. On school closures, there was one article, and I can't remember the author of this, but 20 different times they have him saying something different. Sometimes on the same day, sometimes in the same interview. He'd be for closures and then against closures and then say, oh, I really don't have a strong opinion. Yeah. Um, but I think he doesn't realize and never really comprehended that well he says I, I didn't make any I didn't make any mandates I didn't create any law but once he says that this is what is it's supposed to be and the CDC agrees with him you know if I own a hotel and uh, the CDC says wear a mask if I don't make my employee wear a mask guess what I'm going to be sued so he really is de facto creating law and mandates simply by making these pronouncements but he likes to have it both ways in the sense that right. I, I didn't tell anybody to do anything. I just suggested that. Right. Much. The governors did it. You yeah. know, somebody else did it. But basically at his behest, no one's ever had so much singular power over what is right. And everybody looked to him and said, well, what should we do? And people were fearful. And the fear was stoked You know, by CNN and MSNBC, stoked the fear minute by minute. And uh, then he was able to step into that limelight, and boy, did he love the limelight. And uh, then you'd ask him anything. Should they play baseball? You know, and it's like, well, not in October. You know, <laughs> I mean, maybe in by November we can play baseball. It's like, really? What does he know about when we should play baseball? And what sort of science is it based on? Really very little of what he said. It was mostly his opinions, his conjecture, um, which is fine if he was just stating his opinion. But unfortunately, his opinion became mandate yeah. across the country. The big the big reveal for me as we as we spent the last three years trying to, to peel back the to find out what exactly happened with this crazy government takeover of our lives is that you, you discovered that the government is very much centralized science and, and scientific discovery, and there is this scientific uh, industrial complex that, that Fauci at least apparently he appears to be at the top of it, but we don't know how deep that goes. Yeah, and I think this really points out, and I don't think it's been written about enough, Um, The beginning of the end for scientific inquiry really is consensus. And uh, what was the first consensus? The first big consensus was climate consensus. And people always like, well, well, gosh, it has to be true because all of the scientists are for it. But it turns out that all of the scientists that are for the climate consensus have one thing in common. They all work for the government. And so you get unified groupthink when it's funded by one source because all it takes is you know, like like Fauci at NIH, he's been there 40 years, so he believes gain of function is fine. So everybody does. The consensus does because they're all getting his, getting our money via Fauci. But climate was the test run for this, and it still is referred to as the consensus. And anybody breaks consensus, like I think there are some of the networks who won't let you on if you do not. You have to first, you know, bow down and, and give allegiance to the consensus. COVID became that way too. Yeah, and, and 
and I know you've you've worked with him a lot. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya points out the the price you would pay as someone that might be a recipient of either NIH funding or NIH blessed private funding. Um, your career was ruined if you questioned the consensus. Yeah, and uh, Bhattacharya has been great. And one of the things he wrote was that, and this is sort of a, a profundity in one sentence, he said that you have to separate the funders from the policymakers. It can't be the same people. So if I'm funding and creating the science and improving the sciences, and I also create policy, and so, for example, if I'm creating the policy to mandate a vaccine, but I'm also doing the studies on the vaccine, and then, lo and behold, my agency gets money from the vaccine manufacturers. I mean, for a long time, we were worried about, still are, are these individual scientists getting royalties from the vaccine makers? But now even that's minuscule compared to Moderna uh, has an agreement with NIH that gave them $400 million. Or the NIH says they owed us that, but they got $400 million. So no one who's on the receiving end of that $400 million can be objective now about their vaccine because the more it's mandated, the more money NIH will make. Um, and this is a, a real problem. And other people are pointing out that even the journals, Lancet and all the journals that are somewhat controlled by big pharma now, they aren't really as objective as you'd like to think. They're peer-reviewed and all this, but there's so much of the money that comes in in the form of advertising and, and support from, the, from big pharma that there really isn't the objectivity you would hope for. So you, I, I suspect you and I have always believed that um, um, private medical innovation is, is one of the most important things that, that free market capitalism brings to us. But I've struggled with this, this blurring of the lines that you're describing right now. Um, it's not at all clear to me that we have anything approximating a market when it comes to the development of, of right. medical innovation, particularly when it comes to vaccines. So much of it is controlled by the government and then controlled by, you know, people like Fauci controlled it for 40 years, but he appointed everybody beneath him. So he's probably got another 50 years of control because everybody in the upper echelon was all appointed by him. The chance of getting someone outside of Fauci's world is, is uh, slim and none. I think what you need for innovation um, in science and in medicine also may be crimped by the idea of everything is uniform in the payment. And with most economic innovation, you need to allow the invention to be, if it's really good invention that people want, for people to pay more for it. You know, so you have to have the openness to a high price. And then, you know, the beauty of it, and I love the, the, the Schumpeter statement, you know, that the miracle of capitalism is not that queens can have silk stockings, but that eventually the factory girl has silk stockings or calculators or what have you. You know, they're expensive in the beginning, but if you don't allow the price to go up, and since the price of medicine, almost everything is fixed by government, you know, government's half of medicine or more, in terms of somebody's kind of follow that lead, um, but there's outrage if something costs too much. But in the beginning, things have to cost more, and then the early adopters will be the wealthy until people say, wow, there's a market. Now we've got to bring the price down to get more people to buy it. Perhaps your medical profession is a great demonstration of this point. Absolutely. You can now go to the, the mall and get, and get LASIK eye surgery. Yeah, and the reason is and the, the, the commonality between the things where there's been great innovation and great mass uh, production of things is that you pay cash. Yeah. You, don't, you don't pay. Insurance uh, typically doesn't pay for LASIK surgery, and so it's, it's pretty common. Uh, the price is well known. So we have people all the time, even well-meaning Republicans, wanting to mandate transparency. You must list your prices. And it's like, 
nobody seems to be mandating the LASIK price, but it's on every billboard I see, uh, breast augmentation. If you call a plastic surgeon, it's usually not on billboard so much, but if you call a plastic surgeon, uh, the secretary or a person answering the phone will give you the price of breast augmentation because they know you're calling around and you're going to get another price. It is very competitive. But if you are getting your gallbladder removed and want to figure out the price, good luck even figuring out what the price is. Yeah. You know? So the um, thinking about, um, you, you said like Fauci's been um, in a position of power now for a, a generation, and the the net result was was a centralization um, of of the, the decision making process, which makes it very brittle. I'm thinking of Hayek when he talks about fatal conceit. We had one person essentially making all of the decisions, um, and I noticed that. Um, you in this new Congress have moved over to Homeland Security. Why, why did you do that? Homeland Security uh, typically was the Oversight Committee. In fact, in the House, it's still called the House Oversight Committee. So when you see uh, Jamie Comer a lot in the news uh, with the investigations, he is the attack dog. Uh, he's the head of the investigation out there, the majority. Now, my hope was that we'd have the majority and, you know, I would be able to use that majority to investigate. Um, but it's very important, particularly when you're in the minority party also. You know, we have a, a Democrat president, and there's a lot of malfeasance that has to be investigated. Same with COVID. And what we're struggling with is I'm still investigating COVID, and I request thousands of documents. I get some here, get some there, have fights every day with people coming in trying to get documents from them. But it's hard to coalesce without the, the, the bully power of actually being the chairman. In fact, most of the administration resists with one line. They say, the Department of Justice has made the determination that we don't need to respond to individual senators, only to the chairman of committees. And then the chairmen of the committee, when they get it, like I discovered information I've been looking for for two months, the committee has it. I've been asking the chairman to sign a letter to get the information. He never told me he already had it. Uh, the minority, uh, the Republican also, they already had it. They'd given it to somebody else, but they signed an agreement with this Republican senator not to divulge it to anyone else. So that Republican senator made a side agreement with the State Department and with the Democrat chair. And then I've been haranguing them for months trying to get this information. I finally discovered that they've already got it. And now he's like, now that we've discovered it and became public, he's like, well, you can come and see it in camera. That means I got to read it there in their office and I can't get it electronically. So if I'm going to read 100 pages and I like two paragraphs, if I read it on my computer, I, I cut the two paragraphs and I put it into another document. And then I try to say, hey, look what I found out of 1,000 pages. But it's very hard to do that if I've got to go in there and write it by hand. You know, I can't even, I can't even take it off of the computer. And the other thing is, some of this is, is scientific documents. A lot of what I'm looking at are scientific grants uh, to see whether or not anybody asked for money um, to do research that uh, looks like they were creating a, a, something similar to what became COVID-19. And so I'd like scientists to read it as well. And we have science that, scientists that are, are helping and assisting us. I just can't get the documents to them because everything's siloed off. So it really is becoming very, very difficult to get the information together, but then also to get through it because there's an obstacle. First, it's the administration saying we won't give it to you. Then once they give it to a, a committee, the committee says we won't give it to anybody outside the committee or we'll let you look at it, you know, in camera, reading it in the in a in a room. So 
but I do think there's a common sort of link. Uh, there's a, a George Carlin quote about it. it doesn't have to be a conspiracy if there's a convergence of interest. And I, I love the quote because that's sort of what this is. It, and people think that when you say, oh, there's a conspiracy to cover up COVID. Well, there is. But the conspiracy is this. They're all self-interested in not revealing that they funded research in China that may have led to the deaths of 20 million people. That's ultimately what Fauci fears, but it's all everybody does because it wasn't just Fauci. He encouraged them, but State Department funded this kind of research. NIH funded this research. The Defense Department, all throughout government, they were funding this research, and we need to figure out which, uh, which grants were granted, which ones weren't, and who's culpable in this in order to try to fix it so it doesn't happen again. But they're all saying nothing to see here. If you're watching this show, you're probably wondering, is there a way I can support liberty and improve my life at the same time? Well, there is. Pack Crest Botanicals is a libertarian-owned company that makes botanical CBD products. I started using CBD oil to help me when I'm trying to sleep, and my three annoying cats won't leave me alone. Now I can just ignore them for a solid eight hours and wake up feeling great. Not only are they run by our friends in the Liberty Movement, Pack Crest Botanicals also uses high quality organic ingredients in everything they make. They sell tinctures, edibles, topicals, and botanical vapes. CBD oil can help with pain, insomnia, inflammation, anxiety, stress, arthritis, and more. Use discount code FREETHEPEOPLE to save 25% of your order. And if you select Free the People as your charitable organization at checkout, a portion of your purchase will be donated to us to help fight for freedom. Yeah, it, it's as if a cynic might suggest <laughs> that they have something to hide. Yeah, and I, in, a, in a way they do, but it's not even perhaps illegal. It's just sort of the culpability that they made judgment errors. And this is really what ultimately Fauci will be remembered for is, um, do I think he was an evil person that wanted to kill the world and wanted to kill 20 million people? No, he was a, a misguided person with really, really, he's an elitist, but also someone with really, really poor judgment. And, you know, his quotes from 2012 will haunt him and haunt the world. He basically said gain of function if it led to a pandemic, if there was an accident at a lab and a pandemic began from a lab research, that there, it would have been worth it, that the knowledge is worth the risk. Well, tell that to the 20 million people around the world that died from COVID. Was the knowledge worth the risk? Yeah. And and I, I know I, I mentioned this New York Times article, and I want to read you a couple quotes from it. It's it's quite revealing, and, and it strikes me that that he's come full circle on that point and many others where he wrote that journal article saying gain of function is an essential part of the scientific process and it's worth the risk. And then by the time you started asking about it um, under oath in, in committee, he, he, he was absolutely denying it. And let me see if I can find the quote here. It's towards the end of the New York Times article. You can read in the dark? Um, sort of. <laughs> now you're saying things that are a little, little bit troublesome to me, that I need to go to bed tonight worrying that NIH-funded research um, was responsible for pandemic origins. Well, I sleep fine. I sleep fine, he says it twice. Mm -mm. And remember, this work was done. Notice that. This work was done. Isn't he acknowledging something there? In order to be able to help prepare us for the next pandemic. This work was not conceived by me as I was... I was 
not, obviously can't read in the dark. This work was not conceived of me with by me as I was having my omelet in the morning. It's a grant that was put before peer review of independent scientists. In other words, five or six of my cronies who also agree with me that I appointed, we all got together over omelets and then discussed this and decided this would happen. But, you know, you're right. He is kind of acknowledging. He's kind of saying, well, even if this did, it was noble. It was, we were had noble intentions, even if it, if it did become the pandemic. But uh, I think that that remark, I sleep fine, I sleep fine, is something that belies the truth. And I think the truth probably is that he is concerned how he'll be perceived in history. And even going back to the early days of the pandemic, January 31st of 2020, he's up till three in the morning. He's not sleeping well. He can't sleep that night. He's sending email after email. And the last email he sends at three in the morning is to a guy that's in charge of the pandemic pathogen committee that should have reviewed this research, but didn't because Fauci went around it. This will be the great error in judgment and, and maybe even malfeasance that he chose to go around the safety valve, the safety committee that had been forced on him. When gain of function became a big controversy around 2012, they eventually led to a pause, 2014 to 17, where no research was supposed to happen. And then ultimately they created this committee and the committee was supposed to be full of people who would evaluate the risks of the research versus the reward of the knowledge, the potential reward of the knowledge. This committee never saw it, but at three in the morning, he's sending, you know, articles to the the president of that and basically assuring him that this didn't come from the lab. So the cover-up begins from the very beginning because he's worried because he's also getting emails from all his other buddies saying, holy cow, look at this. It, we think it came from a lab. Yeah. So the, explain this um, irony or tragedy to me because he's, <laughs> he says here, um, in order to help prepare us for the next outbreak. And this was all done, um, this was all done under sort of national defense, bioterrorism, homeland security, auspices. And the idea was that we would be prepared if, if some um, bad country, a country that really doesn't like us, right. decides to unleash one of these horrible viruses on us. Because we prevented gain of function in the States, we went to China. And we're, right. we're doing this dangerous research in China to protect us from, from a dangerous China. <laughs> country like China. Some people uh, call it outsourcing. They believe that we outsource this to China because the, actually it was more lax there. The rules were more lax. And in a totalitarian country, what are a few deaths? And so uh, think about it. Well, starting Wuhan, maybe it'll just be contained in Wuhan. Maybe just the Chinese will die if there's an accident and not Americans. And Americans may protest if this happens in an American lab. So there's a certain amount of outsourcing, certain amount of just bad luck that had happened there. They, weren't, they didn't have as good as safety protocols there. They weren't as careful. But we do this in research in our country too and this is why my biggest concern is I don't want this to happen again um, a former uh, high-ranking person the CDC told me in confidence that he thinks the next one will be uh, a leak will happen again there'll be another pandemic but he fears the death count could be five percent to fifty percent because we're dealing with really really dangerous viruses here um, I mean there are people manipulating Ebola wow, let's see if we can make Ebola more transmissible among humans. Uh, Ebola is a terrible disease, but it, it's, it's kind of like AIDS. It doesn't float through the air. It's exchanged through bodily fluids. And when people are really sick, it, it can cause a contagion, but it usually doesn't spread worldwide like an aerosolized. You know, anything that's aerosolized is incredibly dangerous because everybody gets it, basically. 
But, uh, you know, there, there's a great danger of not doing something here. And uh, that's one of my goals in all of this is not really just to assign blame, although I think it's important. You also have to convince people that this happened. The Democrats still stick their head in the sand and just don't seem to see it. But once people are convinced it's happened, maybe they'll be convinced to actually do the reform. And even now, Democrats are quietly coming to us. They know the consensus is switching on this. They still don't want to be part of it because Fauci's the leader of the Democrat Party now for them. He's this icon, and they don't want to do anything that tarnishes him. And they see it as a partisan effort. They're coming quietly to me and saying, you know, well, we probably would work on a bill to maybe regulate gain-of-function research, how taxpayer dollars are spent on this. Yeah, it seems like arrogance isn't a strong enough word for this mm. kind of um, – it's it's kind of central planning, manipulating um, human existence itself. And and I, I don't I can't think of a strong enough word to, to, um, to explain how insane that sounds. There's a healthy dose of arrogance and elitism in all of this, uh, of any kind of cent- sort of central planning. And in uh, several of the exchanges with Fauci, I would say – show some humility, man. Not exactly like that, but have some humility. Because the thing is, is that I'm the first to tell you that my opinions are based on evidence, but you can have another opinion and we can have a debate. When you're a central planner, you basically have an opinion, your opinion becomes edict across the land. And this is really the danger of, of, of Fauci is that if he were a family practitioner in Peoria, you know, you could take or leave his opinion. You could go to another doctor. But when it's all so centralized and then the the rules on vaccines get centralized. But, you know, in that long New York Times article, he even kind of admits that maybe some of the hesitancy over vaccines and stuff was attributed to his heavy handedness of turning people away. But in that article, um, they misstate something that, that's egregious and that, that should be corrected. They said, oh, it's a tragedy that in America only 68% of people are vaccinated. Well, people at risk over 65, let's just use 65, 97% of Americans, maybe 99%, it's a very high number. Almost everybody over 65 chose to be vaccinated. So it's not really honest. A lot of younger people didn't get vaccinated because they said, well, you know, I've already had COVID. I don't really know of any young person dying from this. And I've made a decision. I've already been inoculated by nature. Um, The other thing is, is our 65 or 68 percent overall vaccine rate versus a country that has 77 hasn't probably made much difference in the overall mortality. Most of the mortality or over half of it was before the vaccine, another half with the vaccine. And the vaccine in the end, even he admits in the article, well, it doesn't really work for Omicron at all. Yeah. Now, they have a yeah. new one that may have some effect. But the thing is, is people, and no one will ever publish this because you're supposed to do as you're told, is Omicron deadly at all? Yeah. I mean, there still are some people dying, but the question is, are they dying from Omicron or from other things? And um, I think most people have some immunity. You've either gotten it naturally or you have some vaccine immunity or both, you know, that I think we're um, not in as precarious a situation as we were in the beginning, for sure. Have you ever thought about using CBD oil? You haven't? Well, think about it now. Are you thinking about it? Good because now there's a way to support freedom and improve your life at the same time. Petcrest Botanicals is a libertarian-owned company that makes a wide variety of botanical CBD products. I use CBD oil to soothe the sore muscles I get from constantly fighting the man here in Washington, D.C. It's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. Petcrest Botanicals uses high-quality organic ingredients in everything they make. And as libertarians, you won't have to worry about them hurting people or taking their stuff. 
They sell tinctures, edibles, topicals, and botanical vapes. CBD oil can help with pain, insomnia, inflammation, anxiety, stress, arthritis, and more. Use the discount code FREETHEPEOPLE to save 25% of your order. And if you select Free the People as your charitable organization at checkout, a portion of your purchase will be donated to help us keep fighting for freedom. There is like the, he's, he's, it appears that he's acknowledging some mistakes in this New York Times article, but they're really humble brags. And his, his big, <laughs> yeah, there is that. His, there big, is that. his big complaint is that we did not comply well enough. And he actually says we should have yeah, locked down We would have been earlier. more submissive and less contentious. And He grouses you know, about this, this yeah. American spirit of, of independence as if it's a, yeah. an evil thing to stop. One of the things he doesn't acknowledge also is, you know, in the whole discussion of whether or not you develop some immunity from having an infection, which is basic immunology, and I've gone round and round with him on this, is that there really was a way early on when there wasn't vaccine, the only way you could have saved lives. We discovered early on that most of the deaths were coming from nursing homes. It was like 40% of the deaths, almost half the deaths are nursing homes. I think like 80% of the deaths are over 70 or something. So it's, it's age in group homes. So what could you do? The people that actually spread it, it'll spread person to person. But if nobody in the nursing home has it at a point, the person who's going to bring it in is the worker, right? Right. So there were ways to do it. What I would have done is early on, I would have said, oh, John Smith, who works as, as a nurse or a nursing assistant here, had it two weeks ago. He's now going to be my COVID wing person until somebody else gets sick and recovered, and then they're going to trade off with him. And you would put the people around uh, the the nursing home patients who had who had immunity, but that would be paying attention to immunity. It doesn't mean I'm against the vaccine; just means I'm, you know, to be for natural immunity means you also understand vaccine immunity. You can't be for one or the other if you, you know, I don't. This is what I don't understand about the vaccine people. It's like, well, they acknowledge the vaccines create immunity. Well. Yeah, but that's based on the fact that disease causes immunity as well. Um, but his willingness to repulse that knowledge and to sort of suppress that knowledge was basically based on that he wanted you just to submit. Don't worry yourself about this. Don't think too hard. Just do as you're told. And this is this universalism of the vaccine crowd. It's the same way with like, like hepatitis B. I'm not against the vaccine. I'm not really excited about giving it to my newborn. It's, it's normally gotten from sex and IV drugs and I figure my six-day-old safe from those things for a little while you know and I could choose to this is what I do with my kids I chose to do the vaccine a little bit later and I finally you know submitted like everybody else because they had to go to school but um, the reason they want to do it is not for health reasons the reason they wanted in the in, to do as many vaccines as they can before your kid leaves it's for compliance they're afraid you either might get it in your mind not to comply or you might forget and so really, it isn't about the health of the child to give them a hepatitis B vaccine in the hospital. It's all about uh, for enforcing compliance. Yeah. Speaking of compliance, he, he, uh, Fauci sort of acknowledges that masking didn't really work and he didn't really, <laughs> he's not really sure. But then he goes on to say, but if people actually used real masks properly, it would have been fine. Yeah, but he never said that during the pandemic. He's, he's actually a little more honest here. Occasionally, there's glimpses of honesty, you know. I think they're inadvertent, but um, so he says, well, they work on the margins. He says about maybe 10% of the time. 
When he came into committee wearing three cloth masks, he wasn't telling people it might work 10% of the time. He was reassuring people that if you wore it, you weren't going to get COVID. And he was wearing masks that were ineffective that now he admits are ineffective. It finally started to break down when one of his acolytes on CNN <coughs> finally admitted on air that cloth masks were simply decoration, facial decoration. Sorry. <clears throat> But uh, even wearing the N95, he says, well, if you wore them properly, I'm not against masks. I wear masks in surgery. Uh, when I worked with COVID patients after I recovered from COVID, I wore uh, N95 mask in the hospital. But the way they're worn in the hospital is virtually impossible. And so that's why they've not been shown even N95 masks to work in the public. Most people believe that after you've worn them in a couple hours, that they become moist inside and there's an electrostatic sort of charge that is uh, dispersed and you no longer have some of the protection of them. The other thing is, is in the hospital, you, you, you wash your hands, you put your mask on, you put your gloves on, you go in, you examine the patient, you come out, you take all of it off and throw it away. So it's a, it's a, it's a cycle, but it's a very brief cycle and anything that's contaminated is then thrown away. Nobody does that at home, and so you just accumulate all of the stuff, and it. Uh, nobody can wear the mask. You know, you'll see these people with them pressed up against the face, but they're doing this and this, and they've got to take them off eventually just because you can't live like that. Um, and the bottom line is, unless you're at high risk, you know, probably, you know, it's foolish to wear them all the time. But it could have been something, a more intelligent approach would have been for people at high risk who are taking care of a loved one who's sick. So you're 75 and your your wife is 75. You live with her and you're going to take care of her. You don't yet have COVID and she's pretty sick but not sick in the hospital. Someone's got to bring her food. Someone's got to help her with things. You go in there. If you're very careful and you wear the N95 mask and then you might even try to have enough that you actually throw them away like a doctor would and you're very careful and you wash your hands going in and out, you might have a chance of not getting it. But, you know, are you going to sit in crowds and rooms? You know, it, it, it turned out to be so easily transmitted through the air that there's just almost no way to protect the, the public from it. The other argument is eventually we all got enough immunity, and it's not nobody wishes this, and nobody wanted the deaths, and nobody did, but eventually we were going to get immunity one way or another, um, and we did through the vaccine and through the disease. And uh, But hopefully the lessons we'll learn is that, uh, you know, the abusive tactics of Fauci actually led to an, an opposite result. At Kibbe on Liberty, freedom is a lifestyle 24-7, something you live and breathe and wear every day. If that describes you, you need the very best Liberty swag in the market today, just like this shirt I happen to be wearing. Go to freethepeople.org slash KOL and check out our exciting merch. You too can love Liberty and look cool. Yeah. Okay, final question. I know you got to get to a, a committee hearing. Um, and I am old enough to remember Fauci adamantly, under oath, denying that NIH or he had anything to do with funding gain-of-function research. And I want to read you this last quote from the New York Times. Some want to pass a law. All gain-of-function should be stopped. But if all gain-of-function stops, you will have no vaccines or flu. You will have no vaccines for any of, of the other diseases because all of that manipulates a virus or a pathogen to gain a certain function to be able to make a vaccine. Is he acknowledging that 
yes, they are doing gain of function. Yeah, but he's also just playing games because he's defining gain of function in a way that really nobody else would define it. The creation of a uh, flu vaccine. So typically in the past, the old-fashioned way was you created um, you took like a protein off of the vaccine or a couple of proteins and you injected those proteins. You made them synthetically and you injected the proteins. The human or the individual would make a, a, an immune response to them and that gave them immunity to flu. Now what we do is it's an mRNA. The mRNA is injected. You make a protein and not one of your proteins. You make a viral protein. So you're making the vaccine basically and then your body responds to that. Um, nobody's saying that, that that's gain of function. There you're taking a, a virus and you're trying to create some kind of immune response to it. Um, what is gain of function is taking a virus that causes infection and may not be that dangerous, and then you say, hey, we've got this new virus we found in the cave eight hours south of here, 200 feet underground. Let's mix a part of that one with this one and see what happens. It's basically what they're, what they're doing. And they say, well, we didn't know it was going to gain function, so it's not gain of function. It's only gain of function if we intended it for gain of function. But you're trying to find out, does it gain function? And you're creating something that doesn't exist in nature. One of the experiments that should trouble people, and most people, even some scientists, I think, misinterpret this. This was about three or four months ago at Boston University. They took the original wild type of coronavirus from 2020 that was pretty deadly. And then they said, what about Omicron? Omicron's not as deadly, but very transmissible. Let's take the S protein that helps the virus get into the cell, which makes it transmissible, which is really good on Omicron. And let's see if we can make the wild type, you know, what happens if we mix them together? Take the S protein from Omicron and the main body from the original wild type. So they're taking something deadly that wasn't as transmissible and making it more transmissible. And the result was that it was 80% as transmissible as the original. And people say, well, that's, that's making it less lethal. Well, I'm not sure that's really true, because if it's 80% as deadly, but a thousand times more transmissible, my guess is it's actually more, it's more dangerous to humans to have something that's a thousand times more transmissible, even if it's slightly less lethal. So these are experiments that are, um, it's just sort of like your mad scientist wanting to know, hey, what if we mix these together? Well, maybe it's not a good idea because what if it gets out of the lab? See, Omicron's everywhere now. Omicron's are basically about like the cold for most people. But what if, if we get a new variant that has the wild type? We're unlikely to really get that. Nature's not heading in that way unless somebody in the lab puts those together and it gets out of the lab. Well, that's uh, why we're all rooting for you to get to the bottom of this. We have to find out what's what our government is doing to us so that it never happens again. Absolutely. Thank you for doing Thank you. this. Thanks for watching. If you liked the conversation, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and also ring the bell for notifications. And if you want to know more about Free the People, go to freethepeople.org.